listening to Coaching Presence, the podcast that will help you become a better coach. I'm Mariana Wright, and it's my pleasure to introduce some truly inspirational guests to share their learning with you. Coaching Presence, I'm live here with Leon Vanderpoel. I'm in Ireland, and Leon, are you in Vietnam? Am I right? No, Taiwan. Taiwan, sorry. Yes. So how are you today? Excellent. Very good to be here. Thank you. Leon's here to talk about his book and about transformational coaching. Um, And Leon, we were just having a a conversation before we went live, and you were going to talk to us about transformation as a journey. Yes. That was a big piece because you had some interest in understanding that as well. Yeah, I do. I have some questions. I'm, I'm yeah. curious to hear your, your take on it. And if people are question. tuning in and watching, sorry, oh, go ahead. if people are tuning in and watching this live, please just put in the comments below about where you're joining from and any questions that you have. And we will try and find time. We're here for about half an hour, but we'll try and find some time to answer them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You had a question uh, around awakening and transformation. That I yeah. I did. I did. Because I was talking to you about um, my kind of 20s and the whole PhD around ecstasy and cultural change. And this having had some really massive kind of awakenings, I'm not sure that they've all led to a transformation. So it's that difference between, yeah, awakening and transformation and the journey. Yeah. And everyone defines these differently. And so I don't ever want to say that what I've put out there is some kind of a universal truth around how it's defined, but it's been helpful for me and sort of my own ability to conceptualize the experience that Mm. I have had myself that you're having and that the people that so often come to the work of deep coaching have when they come for deep transformational work. So awakening for me, it's quite a complex phenomenon and everyone experiences it differently. Some can be quite sudden, sometimes quite gradual, but I just kind of, in a nutshell, I always say it's, it's becoming, becoming aware of our spiritual nature, becoming aware of ourself as more than this body, becoming aware of ourselves as part of something much greater, much vaster than perhaps our eyes and our senses can immediately tell us about the world around us. And there's this sense of it that happens in people. Like I said, sometimes it happens very quickly for people, kind of a sudden jolt of some recognition. And for others, it's a more gradual kind of maturation process. So I look at awakening kind of as the beginning of a journey. And now people talk about having many moments of awakening along the journey. And that's another way to to experience it as well, that as we go along this journey of awakening, we may have certain moments within that, which are really revelatory in some way for ourselves. That there's this kind of sense of understanding about an aspect of ourself or life or reality that we didn't have before. So we can have these moments along the way. But I call that whole thing the transformational journey, because it really is a journey. Now, where the end is, I'm not sure anyone really knows. I I really don't know. know, But we're beginning this. We're beginning because what's happening for people who are going on this journey that I call transformation, uh, awakening and transformation, is that there's this recognition that there is more to life and more to themselves than they have ever been taught and that perhaps they've ever conceived of. Something has awakened in their mind. And what that begins for people is a desire to know themselves differently, to know themselves authentically, and to go into the body of conditioning that they have taken on since childhood 
and to begin to really look at what is true for me? What is real for me? Have I made these choices consciously in an awareness or have these things all been taught to me? And to look at all the falsities and distortions and limitations that we've all carried in so many ways and really begin to do the work around those things. Is this true? Is this really true for me? Does it serve me? Is this who I am at the core of my being when I strip away all of this stuff? And so for me, the journey of transformation is coming into the recognition, recognition of our true self, our authentic self. It's kind of a journey of self-actualization. And awakening for me seems to be not only kind of a starting point, but a recurring, um, a term that people use to describe recurring experiences of these moments or periods in which something seems to really shift. So those, that's kind of how um, I can it. Yeah. Those, well, we always have a bit of a cliche in coaching world about aha moments, but yeah. we talked about nuance of language. And in um, my PhD, we were talking about ins insight rather than enlightenment because there's a whole load of package of baggage yes. of cultural stuff that goes with that one. But yes. Um, yeah, moments yes. of insight. Yes. And I'm guessing then from you said, talked about doing the work. So I'm guessing that there's that piece to take an awakening into a transformation. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. The, the, the deep inner work. So transformation calls people to a kind of edge, an edge at which they're, they're being asked to look at all the things that they have valued, that they've said yes to, that they've held to be true about life and themselves. And for some people, that's kind of scary because they sense that there is more, but they're not sure what it is. It's a huge question mark. So they're asking themselves a lot of big questions like, who am I? What is my purpose and what is the meaning of life? And is this all that there is and what is to come? And if I say yes to this journey, what will happen to me? So a lot of people kind of balk mm. and other people kind of yes, say yes, there's something here that's powerful. And what they, what they start to go on is what I call uh, a healing journey. This is a really big part for me of deep coaching work and, and, and what separates it in a sense from a lot of other coaching modalities and approaches is that I position in deep coaching, healing, coaching as a healing modality. And a lot of people think that it's about therapy, but it's not. The reality is, is if any human being is ready to live into the full expression of who they are, they have to be willing to look at the shadowy stuff, the falsities, the distortions that they've carried about who they are for so long, and to do the work to let that go, to release, to heal, to forgive. And that is what it means to heal. So healing is not just about attending to wounds and traumas and disappointments of the past and doing grief work. That is also a part of healing, but healing is also movement into wholeness and completion. It is to know ourselves as we are at the core of our being, as whole, as complete, as beautiful, as perfect, as we are at the core. So it's to know our essence self. And to get there is for me a healing, a healing journey. Thank you for that. And I'm wondering then whether this healing space is what I would think of as coaching presence. Mm. How do you think of coaching presence when we start there? I think of coaching presence as, well, it's almost like a kind of cauldron, a kind of a, a holding place for, where mm. transformation happens, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's it. It's a kind of, a, I think, having read your book, I think it is, kind of healing place for me that's my interpretation of it yeah yeah that's very much it different terms to, to kind of denote what we're talking about mm. 
a held space, a container, a cocoon, you know, all these words, you know, to, my hands are to describe yeah, this. Yeah, we're all doing it. <laughs> yeah, the, the something is being held. Mm. And I love that the, the I guess it's a, a reality, but also a metaphor of the caterpillar to butterfly. Mm. And this is what people don't know about transformation from my experience, is they don't know, just like the caterpillar turning into the butterfly, there is a death process that's happening in the cocoon. The caterpillar dies and turns into a kind of a primordial goo. And from that, these new cells emerge and a butterfly eventually over time takes shape and form and emerges. So that there is this extraordinary death and emergence process that's happening. And it's all held within this cocoon. It couldn't even happen without the cocoon. And so this is how I love to look at a deep coaching space is that we create these containers in which transformation can unfold naturally and organically. It has its own kind of, it has its own self volition. Like once transformation begins and people really say, I'm ready for this, I'm on this journey, it's got its own volition, which means that the coach's role is not so much to strive and make happen and find it, make things, uh, figure things out and move things forward. It's to create a space, this container, in which the natural volition of transformation the healing that is desiring to happen within the awakening mind can happen more naturally, more gracefully, more easily than it may without that container when people might be fumbling about and not knowing what's going on and not feeling safe in doing so. And the work is hard and it's easy to give up and go back to the ways of being that I once knew and, 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 and to be able to create that. And it is born, as you said, of the coach's presence. It is born of the coach's presence. That's prompted a lot of thinking for me. And one of the questions that's coming to my mind, so my background's biology. I'm a biologist, marine biologist, mm. but a uh, well, biologist, let's, let's broaden out of it. So, you know, caterpillars have metamorphosis in their DNA. It's what they do. It's their caterpillariness, you know, that um, yeah. is transformation part of being human? Yes, for me, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And certain conditions, the conditioning of our youth, our upbringing can, can just open those up as a natural maturation process that people just eventually move into, or it can shut it down. Right? And then this other big question then for right here, right now, our world is in, for many of us, still in lockdown. Um, we're in yes. the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, I think it's one thing to create a healing space when we're physically with our clients mm. how um, how might we do this when we're working virtually interesting question because you know i do almost all my work virtually so do i now as well i, I work <laughs> I, yeah and then it wasn't by force it was just simply more by my remote I live, location yeah <laughs> I, i'm in the middle of nowhere you know yeah same like me right it's it's kind of the necessity but i learned long ago uh some early experiences in my formation of coming to understanding deep coaching as a process and how it works and how consciousness works and how distance becomes irrelevant. I came to understand that it, you do not need to be in some kind of physical proximity to a person to begin to work on providing a healing space. This is the power of presence. This is the power of consciousness that we can literally almost sense like we are in the same kind of mind as the other person. I say it's mm. like two minds become as one. Morphogenic it's, it's, fields, isn't it? Sorry. Yes. And mm. so when I coach, I don't even 
I don't even use a screen. I don't need to see the person either. And I can feel and just sense and sit with this incredible sense of being with that human being. And some of the most beautiful healing experiences have arisen, sometimes surprising, unexpected, other times just organic, and you can sense their readiness and it just flourishes into these experiences where the two of us will just sit, often in a deep silence. And you can feel it. It's just something alive in that space that's happening, not just for the client, because I always say, when you get to that place with your clients, the whole position of coach and client, that just falls away. Mm. That is for the two. The two become as one. And in that space, all is happening for both. And healing begins to occur at deep, deep levels of mind. And this is where it's really fundamental and also at deep physical levels too, because we're learning more and more about the biology of belief. We're also learning more and more about ancestral DNA and how things are carried forward. So very often in these deep healing experiences, people are not just healing in immediacy for themselves. There's something far more profound happening. We could even say on a consciousness level, as we do the work with two, we're doing it for all. Yeah. That's how big the work can be. And it's very, it's very easily done virtually when the coach has the capacity to create a healing space in a virtual environment. Thank you. I think your useful reminder about screens as well. I think sometimes on Zoom we can, or other media, we can tend to focus on this little square and actually we kind of tune in too much to that. And actually if we ignore that and just, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying with. to say now. I think uh, it's restricting us and over we're overcompensating by doing that. And I think probably it's easier for some of us not to have a screen at all, not to have the visual clue, yeah. just to allow us to to tap into other sources of information. That's it. That's it right there. So we mentioned that the deep coaching is based on a series of practices, nine transformative practices. And one of those practices is attuned to your client's deeper sense of self. And when you start to teach people to attune to another human being's deeper sense of self, the first thing they want to do is close their eyes. Mm. Because we're not in, in all remotely interested in what my eyes are perceiving. It's an other sense. I'm not even sure what to describe that, that sense that we're beginning to use. It is like a muscle. The first thing they do is close their eyes. And then they start listening deeply in and they can sense a stirring, a sense something in that space. So the screen becomes actually a distraction, as you said, a little box that we focus on, but there's so much information available mm. beyond what the screen is showing us. And even what our eyes and ears are telling us. Yeah. It's something about overdrive. Our visual processing goes into overdrive probably when we're restricted to this box. Um, mm. And so actually it's probably better for us not to have it on at all. <laughs> for the deeper work, I, I find that true. Mm. There are some elements around safety as well that come into it. Like people feel safer when they don't feel they're being observed doing deep work, which sometimes brings up painful, painful emotions and experiences because that's what needs to be looked at in this day. Not because of therapy, but because if you want to grow into your fullest sense of self, you need to be looking at that baggage that has been carried for a lifetime. And sometimes it's painful and people don't want to be observed as they're kind of going into deep emotion. So there's a kind of trust and, and safety thing there too, which is really important in that cocoon that we're creating. Yeah, right? absolutely. 
And, you know, the challenges of working from home when we've got people around that we're not expecting. So literally I've kind of got, I've got a toy crocodile on my door. It's like (laughs) my, my daughter's, teacher used to say don't disturb me unless you're being attacked by a crocodile and so it's <laughs> <laughs> a subtle reminder yes. right now. <laughs> my safety my healing space <laughs> <laughs> leon um we've talked about transformation as a journey and um oh i know what i was going to ask you about the difference our role as a coach in that because right. you talk about way showers and i'm kind of interested in the whole guru scene and how we can avoid stepping over the boundary as a coach yeah i am really interested in learning how to help people let go of guru i i, I say we are in the day and age of you are the guru of your life there is so much in you and my role as your coach is only to help you access that inner guru. That's it. Just if we can help you access it and you understand what you have the power to connect to, you will never look around again. It doesn't mean Mm. you don't get support once in a while. So the deep coach is absolutely not a guru. So the way shore has more to do with the idea that maybe a bit of context. I use the axiom our transformation enables transformation. That the work of the deep coach is to transform themselves. And as they transform, they become a way shore. And what that means is as we become the embodiment of the awakened mind or awakened consciousness or more authentic self, more authentic self-expression, as we become the embodiment of that, we become like permission givers. It is not about becoming the guru who now knows and says, if you just listen to me and follow me, now I talk about this in the book, in one of the chapters around letting go of agenda, because it's really important that for people who are on a journey of seeking, that we are not imposing more thought upon them about how to think about their life, which is what the guru does. It's like, here's Mm -hmm. how you should be thinking about this particular time in your life. Whereas for me, the deep coach's role is to create a space in which that person feels safe, has permission and is free to explore however they're perceiving and understanding life to make their own meaning. And when you create spaces like this, what happens is they have access to an even greater wisdom and understanding and meaning becomes richer of its own accord. I don't need to provide. I don't need to speak about this. I will share my experience if people ask. I don't have a problem with sharing of my experience, but my role is not to guru anybody. It's to create a space in which they have access to that extraordinary guru within and to trust that to lead their life more than anything else. I'm a bit disappointed. I'm not going to get maybe Rolls Royce or anything, but I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Anyway. Um, (laughs) I always think that a sign of a really good coach is that they're no longer needed by their client because the clients learned, learned how they learn. They've they've learned, you know, what makes them, think as you said you know yes, they can yes. do it themselves but, yeah but we um, need way shorts we need people to be able to stand in this world and say there is a way and it's good and it's real and it's true it's not a figment of your imagination it's <laughs> not just this idea because people who just begin their awakening journey are often like i said they're questioning and they don't really trust it like maybe i'm nuts like i literally have had people right i think i'm going crazy none of my friends have are having this experience and all i want to do is go in and meditate and am i nuts am i losing my mind it's like, look, 
if I can have yeah. yes, stand strong, like, look, this is real. This journey is real. If you commit the fullness of your being to it, I guarantee you, you'll be challenged to the core of your being and it'll be so worth it. Mm. And you will emerge from that fire of like the Phoenix kind of thing. Right. So we need way shores in the sense we need people to stand strong in the embodiment of that reality. So other people can say yes, more fully. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I'm conscious of our time and we've, we allowed ourselves half an hour and we've got yes. more to go through and you have an exercise to share with us and we've got lots of comments and questions. So I'm wondering if we should leave the comments and questions to the end. And then um, if people have to go after half an hour, they can go. Does that sound like a? Were you thinking to go longer than half an hour then? Uh, not well, if, if, if we need to, but only if you have time, sorry, I didn't. Well, uh, why don't we take a few of the questions I thought first, okay. because th those folks are here. Yeah. And if uh, people need to drop off after half an hour, they've had some of their questions attended to. And then if we still feel the exercise is helpful, we can do that. Uh, I'm actually just, I haven't got questions so far. It's just getting comments like very okay. true and love that you see. Oh, we've um, seeing healing as a, a coaching as a healing journey. Um, well, transformational coaching indeed. Yes. As a healing yeah. journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, transformation is part of being human um no actual questions so far so if people do have questions put them in okay um Great. it feels like we're coming on to a time leon where you could talk about your nine practices and i know you were going to share um an exercise with us yes i'm going to put the, your book in the comments for me i think i said this to you earlier the first, your first practice about um, slowing it all down is the most significant <laughs> and the most profound and the, the simplest and the hardest to adopt. Yes. Yes. I recognize that. I recognize that. The coaches that. that I work with as well, you know, it's like, if we can just do this, just slow it down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, as you said, there's a number of practices, nine actually. And together, the idea of the practices is to help create the conditions, as I mentioned earlier, like the cocoon, the conditions in which transformation can unfold naturally and organically. And one of those conditions, as you mentioned, is that when it comes to doing deep inner work, speed doesn't necessarily seem to help. <laughs> so as you notice, when people think about spending time doing deep inner work, they often want to go somewhere. I want to go on a retreat, or I'm going to go to the temple or the church. I want to go for a walk in nature. I'm going to go somewhere and sit in my garden. Why are they doing that? Because there's a need to just decompress, to slow it all down. And when we do that, and we start to sync with this kind of different rhythm in life, we start to notice that we have access to something that we may not have access to when we're just kind of chugging along, trying to get everything done. <laughs> Right. And so people take moments in their time for this in their day. Like I'll carve out a bit of time here and a bit of time there. But for the most part, I'll keep my life jogging along at that supreme speed because everyone around me is expecting me. And that's how I've conditioned myself to live. So what's so hard for this is because people are conditioned to live this way. Mm. Our culture imposes it upon us. And and then we, we buy into it. We start to believe that moving forward and productivity and getting there and making things happen, succeeding, these things become the values by which we judge and value our life. Slowing it all down as an example of a practice requires something totally different. It requires a willingness to let go of all that, in the sense even letting go of time or the need to get somewhere 
to need to produce something. So for coaches, this is hard because coaches come into conversations feeling the way I add value is I get that breakthrough moment. I get that aha happening. We're going to walk out of here in one hour and you're going to take away something. And the coaching strives to achieve, which is often then what keeps coaches kind of moving along in that very same way. So for all the coaches we work with, in the, you know, we put the number one practice because it's just like, oh, not just in your sessions. If you want to become a transformative presence in the world, which is what I say a deep coach truly is, it's not something you do in a session, it's something you are, it's something you live. Then you have to recalibrate your entire way of being to one that is more slowed down and more in sync with the natural rhythms of life. I mentioned in the book, my friend Jane, just as a quick anecdote, She's a healer, a facilitator, and she lives this way of being. And she says to me, Leon, I'm always on retreat. The first time she said that, I was like, yeah, because Jane, you know, everyone else goes on a retreat to do what you are. And that's it. That's the embodiment to be that which you stand for in this world. You stand for healing. Then you need to be that which is the healing space as she is. And she is on retreat all the time. She's never in a hurry. She's never bustling. She's just the space, right? So yeah, that's one of the nine practices we work with. Sorry, I'm a bit long there. I know we have to no, go into No, but even that just space as well. I mean, right. that's mega, isn't it? Just yeah. the space. Just that. that is I the know. stuff, isn't it? Being <laughs> the space right. is the stuff. Being the space, yeah. <laughs> and you have to train coaches to think differently then because most of them are not trained to be the space. Are they? Yeah. And it's. I think it's that, trans- we're talking about transition. I think it's the, sorry, transformation. It's the transformation from where you are when you're learning to coach, where you're trying to add value and ask the perfect question and do the stuff mm. to a realization that actually being a transformative presence or is about doing less, <laughs> being <Correct>. more. <laughs> yeah, being more. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, and less um, that you have to do. So I'm a horsey ahead. person, and it's a similar thing when you're when you're kind of learning the subtlety of of riding. You know, you go from okay to slow the horse down, you pull the reins to actually know if you want to slow the horse down, you slow your rhythm down and the horse sinks. Right. That's the the symbiotic relationship with the rider and the horse. And that's the same with the coach and the client. The coach's presence isn't just the coach was all rushing around and five minutes before the session, the coach decided to slow it down a little bit, comes into the session so that the client could slow down. Is the coach is that presence. That's the Mm. presence of the transformational coach. Such so as once in a while. And that's a remarkable thing for people to actually say yes to because they realize they often have to recalibrate and reconfigure their whole life structure in order to make that possible. And for some, that's a scary thought. What'll happen if I slow down? I won't get stuff done. Mm. And that's going to be a huge issue. So therefore, they don't. You know, the fear engenders a different behavior. Hmm. Did you want to do the exercise for a minute? I do. I do. I'm going to. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. Um, uh, I'm just looking at. um, Oh, just a comment about not having a video and someone saying sometimes new clients bulk at that and their Mm -hmm. their response. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would love to do the exercise with you. Yeah. New clients, just to say that new clients will. So often I use video 
early on in the in the in the coaching process. Um, but I also make clear that at some point when we go, we're going to go really into things that I will turn the video off. So very often my sessions start with the hello, how are you doing with video? Then when we start the session proper, we both agree to turn it off and we can go deep within. So, yeah. 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 so the exercise now mm. for this exercise, we're going to close our eyes because are people all, going to be doing it along would you like that are listening I, they in? can do it along yeah for sure so like the, you can the just caveat is obviously don't close your eyes if you're driving <laughs> or anything like that make sure in a, make sure you're in a safe place to do so <laughs> yes yes so this is simply an exercise around recognizing how we engage with life situations and the big work of transformation is really around being level awareness, like facilitating being level awareness, choices in being and embodiments of way of being. So this exercise is just going to take us and sort of notice how we can coach at different levels of engagement, how we can live in different ways, in different levels of engagement in the various situations of our life. So that's just the context of the exercise. Okay. So some of this, for some listening may know this exercise and some, this may be completely new. So if you are comfortable just closing your eyes for a minute, you can do that. Just join me with that. Just take a few breaths and really allow yourself to relax in your space. Just for a moment, there's nothing here that you need to do, need to think. It's completely free to relax. Just let your mind drift and quieten. As you do, I'd like to invite you to bring to mind a situation in your life in which there is some, some challenge for you, some real challenge, some drama, in fact. You may notice the emotionality of it, the reactivity. You may notice blame. You may notice a feeling of victimhood. You may notice self-righteousness. Just bring to mind that situation. Just kind of notice all the drama that's unfolding in you and in those who are participating in the situation. It's a level of engagement to engage in a situation in this way. So now we're going to step back a little bit from the situation. Let's take a, a big step back so that you are becoming a more objective in your observation of what's happening. You may notice the emotionality beginning to just fade away as you become more the observer. So what's happening here? What is the problem? Perhaps you've been thinking about some solutions 
what to do about it, how to fix it. Maybe you've been thinking about how to make it go away quickly, move beyond it, or even get things back to the way they were before the problem began. What are your options here? What's the way forward, the solution? Now for a moment, we're just going to drop all of that. I'm going to ask you a question, just one. And that is, who do you choose to be in this situation? This is a being level question. Who are you choosing to be? Who do you desire to be? in this situation. And just bring that to mind. That word or that image. Who do you desire to be in relationship to this situation, to this challenge? And now I'm going to just invite you very gently to begin to open to the embodiment of that way of being. To feel it, very viscerally feel your entire way of being begin to shift into that reality. So that right here, right now, with me, you're becoming that which you have chosen to be. Just feel it take over as every cell in your body becomes that. Where your consciousness, your energy becomes that which you choose to be. Right here. And feel that expand in you. that presence of being. Moving even beyond the borders of your body, becoming larger, more encompassing.
And now when you're ready, without shifting anything in this way of being that you are now embodying, bring to mind the original situation or challenge that you're having. And just notice now, from this way of being, how you choose to engage with it. What you see now as an opportunity for you in relation to the situation. What you see now as a potential that is an expression of this way of being. Okay, and with that, you can take a final breath. It's going to bring yourself back into present awakened state and back into our live event. Yeah. So here, what often happens is people recognize that the way they would engage from this chosen embodied way of being is so very different than at the drama stage or even at the situation level, where they're thinking about solutions and ways to fix it, they start to notice that things start to want to, sh to be engaged with differently from that state of being. But then what happens is they notice that they go into their day and half an hour later, that poof, that way of being that they had just embodied is suddenly gone. And they're back into old patterns, and old worries and old fears. So what do I do, they say? How do I return to that? Well, that's the transformational journey in a nutshell. Is that cyclical nature of realizing certain ways of being that are desired, falling out of them, doing the work to return to, noticing when you stay there a little longer this time and then falling back. And the work of the coach begins this one of supporting that journey where the session itself becomes an opportunity to embody ways of being, not to think about embodying ways of being. Oh, I'll do it later after the session. I'll go into that space that we talked about in our session. Oh, the session itself becomes a space in which the embodiment unfolds. And to notice what happens when it does. And this helps people anchor into new ways of being. Especially on the transformative path where more authentic levels of self are becoming really clear. People want to live these. I am peace. I am love. I am compassion. I am radiant light. I am the world, whatever that way of being is that they want to stand for in this world. And so the session becomes a place in which they anchor into that with their coach, expand in it, live from it, and then go back into their days. So the whole context of the transformational session changes. I know we've gone a bit over time there, but I just want to throw that in. <laughs> Can I just um, ask you something? So the realization for me, and sorry, this is, I'm, I'm snatching the time for me. <laughs> But Ew. the realization for me is that actually um, being truth is quite a frightening prospect. I feel I feel a, an anxiety around that. Yes. So I don't know if there's anything hand holding or 
any, any words of encouragement or what needs to happen with that? Or is that just a sign that I'm on the right path? That's the sign. That's the edge. Mm. And that's so often what people then bump up against in their own ways, and which has them step back from the edge. Because it's too frightening. I, what will it mean if I do? What will I lose if I do? What mm. will people think of me if I do stand in this way? They don't know me this way. What if I did that? So all of those fearful thoughts come rising in and people step back. Well, then better maybe I just hide that or share it only in specific groups with people who I know I'm safe, like my study group or my coaching group. But for the rest of the world, I'll just keep that a little bit closer to me and I'll live through the old patterns of being that I've long demonstrated. So the coaching session becomes about helping you become the living embodiment of that which you desire for yourself and to attend to anything that stands in the way. Because it really is not a process so much of and the conceptions we're growing into this. It's actually a process of peeling away the layers of the egoic mind that stand in the way. Mm. So we attend to anything in the session that comes up as what gets in the way of you living that embodied reality in the session. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what the session focuses on. Don't let people walk away undone. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Leon, thank you so much for today. You are truly welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. To continue this conversation, join the Coaching Presence Facebook group. If you enjoy being part of that uplifting community, do tell others. You can find out more about me at mariannawright.com.